Hi, and welcome to the August 16th, 2007 edition of the Big Monkey Podcast. Recorded on-site at Big Monkey Comics, located at 1722B, 14th Street in Washington, D.C. Here in a mountain cave where we all soak in the Lazarus Pit to keep our skin young and smooth, five guys get together to ask those questions that have plagued us for years, such as, if Sentry was heading to Chicago at 75 miles per hour, leaving at 3 p.m., and the X-Jet, wait, who cares about math? This is the Big Monkey Podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Hatton, writer of Those Wednesdays, and I'll be your MC for the next hour of comic discussion and debate. Joining me are four guys who know way more about comics than I do. So let's start with some introductions. Directly to my right. I'm Skip Garling with the Absorbiscon. I'm John Carey, and I use Face Down in the Gutters as a dream journal. <laughs> I'm John Brooks of John Hicks Lives. And I'm Devon Sanders of Seven Hells. Uh, today, for our DC and Marvel topics, uh, they're going to be linked. Today, we talk about Jack Kirby. Without a doubt, one of the pioneers of comics, Kirby has helped create some of the most beloved and timeless characters for both of the big two. So to start off with our discussion, I want to ask, which of Kirby's DC creations is your favorite, and why? Do not look at me. And Skip, we're going to start with you. <laughs> ben is starting with me as always, because I don't like these characters very much. I'm not a fan of Jack Kirby or many of his creations. So, um, which of his, oh, wow, uh, Big Barda. God, I knew it. I don't <laughs> <laughs> you know, the big butch one. <laughs> yeah, big, a big butch woman who doesn't really think of herself as such. And has a mega rod. Yeah, <laughs> how can you not, you know, and the hat, she carries it off. Uh, that has always impressed me about her. And a lot of my impressions about her uh, come come from the, the, the short live series she had. With her husband, oh. Mr. Miracle, and I really loved. Her. And I know. She had what? a great hat. <laughs> Fine, enough out of me, Carrie. Carrie, who's your favorite? Mr. Miracle, because he's he's dressed like a Mexican wrestler. <laughs> really into Christmas, based on the color. He's got, like, he's got a weight belt happening for some reason. Mr. Miracle is awesome. Plus, he's got like. The best of the Jack Kirby dumb pun names ever. He's got Scott, Scott Free. Free. <laughs> Scott Free. It's like, it's like naming him Escapey Mick Gets Out of Scott. I mean, like, that's red to the max. <laughs> Brooks? Uh, I'll have to say uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda when they're together. I just like the whole couple dynamic they have, and they were always my favorite comic book married couple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, she had a great hat. Yeah, she had a great hat. Can I change mine? Yes, yes. I, I I like the black racer. Oh, no, no. Seriously. I really like the black racer. I saw him once in a in a great story. Once and that was the first time, yeah, <laughs> No, but that was the first time I'd ever seen him and I was like, Wow, that's really cool. Was that's it really our world's at war? No. Uh, no, no, no. It was a long time. It was just a one shot. And somebody wrote a really good story with him. And I know a lot of people, he's their least favorite because they think he's silly. People who, in fact, who worship the Silver Surfer, they think that Black Racer is uh, silly. But it just goes to show you that sometimes if you write a good story, even with a silly character, it can be really great. Devon? Mr. Miracle, and uh, just because I just simply dig on how much he loves his woman. I don't know why. I'm not even a freaking romantic or anything. (laughs) But it just kind of gives you hope that there might actually be some 
form of love out there, <laughs> even in a freaking comic book. Oh, <laughs> even with women from hey. evil hell planets. <laughs> <laughs> so Especially ladies, from. So ladies, but. <laughs> I don't know. If, if I met a woman that big when she had a mega rod. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm keeping it clean today, fellas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You know, I I love Canto the Assassin. <laughs> that would explain that outfit you wore to work yesterday. Just like, I mean, the guy dresses. Met him once up at Titan's Ramp. That's right, man. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci kills people in their sleep. Like, Somebody I could go to the Red Fair with. Yeah, I know. It's just like, I love the fact that like every time you see him, he's like creeping around in like Renaissance gear with a knife, how with a dagger between his teeth. How is a man dressed in purple and gold going to sneak up on somebody? Well, that, that's funny. Should we talk about Jack Kirby's Sandman then? Oh, mother. <laughs> well, it was the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> the stuff of nightmare. Wow. I mean, he created some some of the most timeless DC characters. Challengers of the Unknown. Timeless? Are, they're literally timeless. They're literally <laughs> timeless. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like him enough. Well, no, wait, no, wait, wait. I thought we were going to talk about his Marvel stuff right now because I find it interesting that we're all mentioning his DC properties. No, we want to talk we're we're about DC and then we'll jump over to Marvel. Get back uh, we were on actually point. on point for once. I know, Mr. Garland. I'm sorry. I don't read the notes. Officer Garland. I actually. <laughs> Keep it by the book. <laughs> Yeah, you've been moderated. (laughs) (laughs) That's still fun. That's Um, still good. All right, but uh, the question is, with Seven Soldiers, where we saw um, Scott Free with Mr. Miracle back, Countdown and countless cameos, uh, including uh, this week's uh, uh, Brave and the Bold with Challengers of the Unknown, Kirby Creations are making a comeback in the DC Universe. What is it about the DCU right now that's like, let's bring back some crazy 70s crap, right? (laughs) Well, I... Are they bringing them back, or are they get rid of them? getting rid of them? That is, it's hard to say. Which is, are they doing both at the same time? Yeah, they, they cycle that every couple of years, like they do everything else, where they'll blow up the new gods and then bring them back. Like Walt Simonson will get bored and be like, not, "I want to do another Orion book." Not, not, <laughs> not, not, not like this, John. Eh, it's a little different. Yeah, they, they are killing them. The death of the new more. gods yeah. is the name of a miniseries, <laughs> which makes me think that they're just going to come back in the rebirth of the new gods. I mean, it ain't like. Death is anything permanent. Every new god has died and come (laughs) back to life. The only ones that have ever really worked are Big Barda, Mr. Miracle, Darkseid, I mean, kind of, but I don't think he really works Light Ray? well. Mm-hmm. Light Ray. I love Orion. Light Ray. Orion. Light Ray and Orion. Orion. <laughs> Orion on a... Uh... Orion? <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing that. Those, and just those, are, the are, the <laughs> those are the cookies that Martian man but yeah, I mean, but what about why? Why Why now? What is it about the DC Universe? Are they... I mean, it feels like they're bringing everything that has ever occurred in the DC Universe, and they're getting ready to trim the fat. But the uh, thing, It's a good theory. The thing was, it was already gone. I mean, Lord Havoc and Stratus, <laughs> no one cared. <laughs> why did they need to bring that back in a separate universe? What? Who is like, I want those guys back? <laughs> I love robots who kill the planet because I've been watching Dragon Ball Z for a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the extremist thing is definitely a puzzle, but but Kirby's... If you don't kill off the new gods, then they're always waiting for somebody to insert them inappropriately in a story. <laughs> inappropriately. You know, so, so they, become, they become permanent guest stars. I once likened them to, like, the crazy ant in your family. 
who you try not to see, and she like lives in a home somewhere, and then you bring her out at Christmas time for when all the family gets together. It's like it's crossover time, you know. So we it's have cosmic bring, odyssey. Exactly. So we have to bring out some fourth world characters and pretend that they're not crazy. Well, if you're dragging out like the forever people, that's true. I think you can get away with having like a Ryan show up. Uh, Orion works in like Orion, Miracle, and Bardo work well in like a team setting, whereas most of the new gods are so over the top that they don't so much. Well, but. see, I was talking to a customer about, <clears throat> about this the other day about exactly what the new gods are. They're just like Jack Kirby's imagination just totally unfettered. Like, uh, the way that I tried to describe like the new gods to someone is that, like, if you go to, like, Marvel, you know, Stanley would walk into a room and he would say, you know, I really want something true believer that has, like, you know, <laughs> like, smashed meat ground up and then I, I, I want to put it in some kind of tube I don't know what it is and then two weeks later like Jack Kirby would walk in plop it on the table and go it's sausage <laughs> and then Kirk, and then, then Stan Lee would visual just, right, and then Stan Lee would go sausage I created sausage <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs> and the sausage have a big S on it. I think, right. I think what the New God stuff can be likened to is when the Image guys first left Marvel, and they all had really big ideas, but didn't really know how to implement them without some sort of editorial control, which they absolutely didn't have. Well, Kirby didn't have editorial control when he came over in the 70s. He's exactly like, I want, yeah. I want to do exactly. this. I want to put collages on the photo. Yeah. You know, like, and they're like, go for it. Yeah. I want Don Rickles to guess that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don Rickles is kind of awesome. <laughs> personal, <laughs> personal indulgence. That was, that was right. Yeah, he he could do whatever he wanted, and it showed because he went from doing like he took Jimmy Olsen and made it into a cosmic book, which is like amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he had like the wild area or whatever like, it was, and like yeah. turned out yeah. a mountain was just you know a train, like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's the sort of thing the that if he called in, the Harrys. If he there proposed that to yeah. a DC editor in the seventies. What would the editor have done? He just kicked him out. He yeah. like, <laughs> changed his medication. Yeah, put a flying gorilla in it, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, we'll make it an issue of Hawkman. Right. Like, <laughs> no, I think I went off my own point there. But uh, um, song remains the same. The man under editorial control does fantastic stuff. When he is left to his own indulgences, you get, like, devil dinosaur. Uh, like, right. uh, well, well, I think it's part of a... Uh, what John is talking about is part of a larger... Prejudice against writers and in favor of artists, artists not just at Marvel but generally in comics, because people will often give an artist a chance to write. Right, writing's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> Here, write this. But very seldom do they turn to you know Brad Meltzer and say, "You want to draw this too?" <laughs> you know, and then John, it's like a stick figure the running pen. around, <laughs> exactly, writing stick figure dinosaurs. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a respect. <laughs> For the artist <laughs> art. But, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! It took me a while. It took me a while. It, to feel. <laughs> it wouldn't make any more sense. It's an old-fashioned Joker angle. Had to hit you in the but, back of the head. <laughs> um, but so you give an artist like Kirby, who was, you know, a very powerful artist who had a big impact. You know, letting him write is not necessarily the best thing. It wasn't his strength. Um, and without editing, like he had at art. Uh, at Marvel, as John said, it goes it goes crazy. Yeah. 
What's over the top uh, about Vermin Thunderbar? <laughs> so do we think What's they're under like the top about Vermin Thunderbar? It's like, well, there's nothing else that you can do with these characters, yeah. and they never really had any motivations. It's like, so, what do they do? So what? do you think DC at this point is just like we can't fit them into this new Earth? We got to get rid of them. They I think had it out repeatedly. They've had outs. Cosmic Odyssey puts an out in where their universe is a separate universe. They need the mother boxes. All they had to do was write a story that's like, oh crap, mother boxes don't work anymore. And that means you can do self-contained new god stories that don't have to have, like, Superman in them. Which were know? great. Mother, yeah. mother box could decide, no, I'm, going, I'm yeah. not going to mother that neighborhood like, anymore. Man, yeah. I get stabbed <laughs> if I walk through there, you know? I'm not going to Earth. That yeah. place is dangerous. It's like Southeast. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had to live there, people. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> need an hour and a half before the cops come here. <laughs> All so right. True. But Any final thoughts on uh, Death of New Gods? We'll start with Brooks. Why me? Um, I don't know. It's, it seems more like Dio wants to just kill people, and he chose the New Gods. So and no one will miss them. I I'll as miss long them. as Mister Miracle and Big Bard are left alone, me all of them can ride in hell. So, Devon, oh, wow. <laughs> um, I just think um, the reason that the New Gods are coming to the fore is because there's really nothing else to do with them. It's like, well. You know what? This might be our final shot at like trying to make them what we think they should be. So let's get Jim Starlin, World Killer, to do it, and that's what they're doing right now. <laughs> well, is, is my card? <laughs> um, um, the, my question is: Are they going to keep any of them? Are they going to keep Big Bart and Mister Miracle? Starlin says gonna... one survives. Miracle. He said I was. Mr. He said I was going to kill everyone, but then they said. Then the editor said, "You got to keep one." And so he's keeping one. Wouldn't that be? I, but that's gonna be. Dark it's, they're gonna be dark side. He's stupid. He's but, stupid. But see, <laughs> Scott Free isn't a new god anymore. He that's gave true. up his powers that's at true. the end of his series. He's he's been god. He's been like after whatever high, that meant. Right yeah. after <laughs> High Father, he had the wizard Shazam remove his his godliness, and he's been like <laughs> I'm also <laughs> his cleanliness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He kept it next to him. <laughs> Just to finish that joke off. Yeah. And on that note... Death of the new joke. <laughs> thanks. Guys. Oh, wow. And now, for, and now for a dramatic reading by Nate Soloway. I wonder how Cheeks is doing. <laughs> He's a spunky little guy. Has a little of the devil in him. Sort of reminds me of me as a young bug. Cheeks! It's okay, little guy. Daddy's here. Cheeks! Speak to me! Rustle your stuffing! Anything! No! It's worse than I feared! You'll never see a 3D movie again! This means war. For our second topic, we're taking Kirby and heading over to Marvel. Like with the previous topic, let's start off with which one of Kirby's Marvel creations is your favorite and why? And we're going to start off with Devon. Uh, Captain America. Uh, Captain America, it's just such a clean, classic character. Clean, classic design. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. He's the king of foreshortening. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks? Machine Man. Wow. <laughs> yes. I like Took Kirby when he just like goes into his sci-fi 50s wonderment and... Machine Man is it. Dude, that was mine. And do you know where Machine Man got his start? 2001. 2001 Space Odyssey the comic. Please tell me you made that. No way, man. (laughs) He had to migrate from a different timeline. Wow. He's amazing. Carrie? Uh, The Thing. Big 
orange rocks in a diaper. I don't know. <laughs> he smokes a cigar for some reason. He's the most lovable character in the Marvel Universe. I've got your big orange rocks <laughs> in the diaper. <laughs> Set and spike. Yeah. yeah. Reed Richards. Smart guy. Very adaptable. <laughs> Just like That's Skip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and, and graying yeah, the side. And if you've yeah. never seen Skip, he's starting to go gray at the side. I, I know. I really have this yeah. Reed Richards thing going on. We need to get you a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and the capacity to form into a ball when you're thinking. <laughs> I want to dribble Skip down the street. <laughs> you know? All the while I'm oh. lecturing you. <laughs> it's going to be... symbolism of World War Hulk. Oh. I'll say it again. It'll be Machine Man. There's something about a robot in a purple outfit. You know? Again, and bug eyes. And bug eyes with like a, his brain showing. <laughs> Fought the army. Then went into the future. It was great. <laughs> the future yeah, a robot six girlfriend. years ago. No. <laughs> Dude, it was 2020. Oh, right. Yeah, that's when he was in the future. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's hold it still. Find so, the less evil version of Star. I'm going to step on Ben's next question and ask one of my own. Uh, Fair enough. Marvel handles its... Kirby legacy better than DC. That was going to be my question, actually. Yeah, right. Now Kirby's characters have held up better and have become more iconic than the characters created for DC. Is it something something about the characters or the way Marvel handles them? And I want to start with Skip. Uh, I don't think it's either. I don't think it's about the characters or about the way Marvel handles them. I think it is um, because... Uh, they fit better in the Marvel Universe. They stand out less. Um, so it's much easier for them to use them. Hmm. You know, the, the Marvel Universe is built around Jack Kirby characters. Hmm. DC Universe is not. They're just sort of it's like some odd-looking add-on that you put on your house. <laughs> you know, like the sun porch. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that you had your brother-in-law make that doesn't quite, you know, work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the metaphor of the week. Carrie, you can't declare something you just said the metaphor of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I read Richards. Look at his hair. That's true. It's yeah. true. Um, I think. Why do they work better in Marvel? I think it's yeah. They they were created. The universe was created around his stuff. Whereas DC's, it was kind of a, a, a retrofit almost, where it was just jammed on there. And Marvel, I think, in general, handles space <laughs> a little better than DC. DC's space is a lot of planets that are a lot like Earth except like people have wings you know, or, or people are sterile and they need <laughs> archaeologists to plow their women for some <laughs> reason. It, <laughs> but Marvel space yeah, is... Yeah, uh, geeks came up with that idea. I know. <laughs> if that's not the most wish-fulfillment story of all time, I can have a really nerdy job and spacemen are going to be like, we need him to repopulate our planet and to use our jetpacks. Like, <laughs> get me my teleportation beam. In Marvel, yeah. the space stuff is kept kind of separate except when necessary. The X-Men will only deal with the Shi'ar like once every three years when the writers get bored of writing the same story over and over again. The, the space guys, they'll be like one dude on the Avengers is like Star Fox or something at a given time. Quasar. Whereas DC, they're, yeah, Qua- yeah, Quasar will fly around as a Green Lantern, effectively. Uh, or a Nova Corps. <laughs> but DC has a very homogenized space where it's all the same stuff because everything was seeded by Monol, if I remember right. <laughs> Does that excuse still stand? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Seated by model. 
<laughs> so yeah, it just seems like the the Kirby stuff, the ridiculous over the topness of Kirby, fits in better in the Marvel universe than in the DC. Brooks, I think it's more like because he had put the new gods in later on, not, and it was basically only his idea. I mean, he didn't only create. It wasn't just him who created Captain America. He had like someone else to start yeah. the idea, and he just kind of like drew it. Right, and so you know. The new guys could have worked on their own, but they basically tried to fit them into the DCU, and it's always going to be like jammed in there, kind of like <laughs> off to the side. So what you're saying is nowadays the new gods would have been introduced as like a Vertigo title. Yeah, they yeah, were, exactly. weren't they? weren't weren't the new gods originally? Oh no, they well, were no. in Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. Superman's but, power. Yeah, basically, those... in the DC universe, they were creating the Kirby verse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the fourth world. Exactly. Yeah. Devon, what about you? Um, just uh, Marvel itself was just meant to be a lot more cohesive. It's like you know, it's like they release Iron Man. Uh, Hank Pym starts out as like you know, just a regular scientist stuck in like an ant hill. They bring him back a few months <laughs> later. No, literally, he really did. Yeah. Um, That's why I'm laughing. Right. <laughs> and then he puts on a suit and then gets like a. a, a a socialite girlfriend and becomes a superhero. That's just what happened. And then later on, you know, because they're there, they put them on a team because they have this cohesiveness and uh, cohesion in uh, the the Marvel universe that didn't quite exist in the DC universe at so that time. The ridiculous is right. a little more accepted. Exactly. In the, than exactly. In, in, it's like because aliens and parents dying are a little different the, the than fan, yeah. the fantastical. The fantastic is a, li- a bit more accepted within the Marvel universe than it is within the DC universe. Wow, well, you do yeah. have a space gigolo Dude, in the Marvel that's, universe. That's yeah. a bigger. That's a big topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because yeah. DC has flying gorillas. Yeah, you know? but you know what? <laughs> flying gorillas in the background of the DC universe. But when a Marvel Universe character creates a flying gorilla, they have to do a soliloquy about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because J. Jonah Jameson wrote a mean editorial. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. See, also, at the heart of the of the Kirby creations for DC and the heart of the creation of Marvel, I think the Marvel creations are more accessible to everyday people. In DC, mm. you have, like, you know, random guy who can turn into, like, a porcupine and a turtle and giant and stretchy all at once and he's like a newsboy and then he's got some more newsboys that fly around in like a jet car and then there's some hippies who drive a train and then there's some gods but like what do you have in like the Marvel Universe you have a family you have a group of teenagers you have a soldier yes they're sold there are characters who are larger than life with special powers but it's easier for the reader to be able to go you know what could be a, you know a surfer through the galaxy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, no, I'm kidding on that one. Well, <laughs> no, it raises an interesting question: How different would history be if Kirby had started at DC and left it for Marvel? We would yeah. have like you know right now it'd be you know Peter Parker, Boy Wonder, and his amazing adventures of like you know wearing a bow tie and the like, spider <laughs> dog. Oh, well, yeah, but, so no, no, but didn't Kirby actually work at DC first? Like with Sandman and yeah, the Newsboy he, Legion yeah. and stuff like that, better question would be what would happen if he stuck around. Well, but I think he only drew. Yeah. yeah. Well, he basically only drew when he was in that timely or whatever the hell it was called. Right. Not going to go to an age. 
Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's... I think the differences between Kirby's DC and Marvel work, long story short, are just basically in the times that they were set in. Sometimes, you know, lightning strikes. And when Stan Lee was working with Jack Kirby, it was the time was right. If they were at DC, they probably would have done the same things and made it just as interesting. <laughs> um, we would have had a very different DC then universe. Skip would love Marvel in <laughs> DC. It'd be the bizarro world. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we would, it, you know, it's just all about right place, right time. And the problem with like the DC Kirby stuff was that, yes, it was Kirby, but it was Kirby without a filter. So it wasn't very good. Right. Kirby straight up. Right, exactly. It's like, exactly. And it's as like, John will tell you, Kirby great. needs pineapple juice. <laughs> and, now it's, and now at DC, it's Kirby on the rock. Yeah, that's why like people ordered tonic, you know, tonic and vodka. It's like, it needs to be cut. You know? <laughs> and Stanley is definitely a tonic. Exactly. <laughs> He's bubbling you back. <laughs> He's soured flavored water. <laughs> but bubbly. Very bubbly. Yes. Alright, for for a follow up question. That's the metaphor uh, of the week, John. <laughs> for my follow up question, I want to say with the death of Captain America, with the abysmal showing of Jack Kirby's intergalactic space oh. hunters or whatever it was. And the relative failure of both Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Two, the movies. What? Uh, they, they made money, yeah. but, but they, they made not intrinsically good. <laughs> they, but not as much as you would expect from a superhero movie. Very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They made like Daredevil money. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, they didn't even make Superman Returns money, yeah. and that you know. Um, okay. Are, are we seeing that Kirby creations are actually starting to fall out? Do they not hold up? He's still doing a little bit better than Ditko at the moment. Mm. With the exception of Spider-Man, I think literally every Ditko character has either dead or been replaced in the last, like, three years. I mean, right. So Speedball's still around. Yeah, yeah, but, but, it. <laughs> yeah but at DC, uh, a character dying and, and or being replaced, replaced yeah. that, that's considered a sign of success. <laughs> True now enough. you have a legacy. Yeah. And Marvel, it's a snub. Yeah, but, I mean, do we think his character, its he's not holding up? Do we think his ideas aren't, you know, true anymore? No. Uh, no. I think it's just his ideas are just so fantastic that you just cannot translate them properly. It's like, basically with the... Oh, let's just skip. I know. Uh, no, no, but, I don't hear you. And no, then we'll go to skip. Because he's making a face. Basically, the long story short of it is when you do the Fantastic Four and Jessica Alba is your linchpin... You're in trouble because you got a lot of work. I mean, you got a lot of mythos to work with with the Fantastic Four. But, you know, it just shows that just an utter lack of regard for the man's work where it's just like, you know what? Spandex and special effects. It's like, no, there was some heart to this stuff. You know, put some of those like machines that don't particularly do anything in the background of this movie. <laughs> you know, the Kirby crackle. Where was the Kirby crackle? It was just like, no, it was just dumbed down for Hollywood, and it had nothing to do with Kirby other than just the name. And it ain't like it was too clever to begin with. To <laughs> right, dumb it down. exactly. Uh, to be fair, the commish was real good in both those movies. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> he'll, he'll always be the commish to me. Yeah. Uh, Skip, what about you? Do you think Kirby's uh, I mean, someone said, ti- like, snub their nose at Timeless at me earlier. You know, I, I, I think that's the exact problem with them. I think that they're not timeless enough. And it's not because... It, it's because, I think... Here, John, hold my pipe. Um, I think it's because his characters weren't simple enough. They were too personal. 
they weren't abstract concepts like Batman, Superman. Those are very simple sketches that you can make of characters. People get that right away. That makes those characters very adaptable over time. Kirby's characters began a lot more filled out personality-wise, context-wise. That makes them less adaptable over time, and I think that's the problem. Right. I mean, and things have changed. There is, there is a certain level of, like, you know, this is a family. You know, you got, like, the brother, the sister, the best friend. They all get superpowers sitting around. And, like, you know... <laughs> it, it happens, yeah. Right. And, you know, in in a simpler time, as it were, one could look at that and understand the archetypes. But, you know, as... You know, and I'm, just, I'm using the Fantastic Four, who are supposed to be the first family of the Marvel Universe, it, it's like... I used to work at a school, and it used to have on the application, you know, who does a child reside with, both parents, mother, or father. You can't have that anymore. You have to have, like, an other, you have to have this. And there's a certain thing about Kirby's creations. Because they are stuck, not stuck, but because they were rooted very firmly in the time that they were created, that it doesn't quite hold up anymore. You don't, you know, soldiers aren't kind of revered. War isn't revered the way it was in the 1940s and 1950s. So having like a super soldier of patriotism doesn't quite have the same effect that it used to. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that's uh, been a problem for Wonder Woman, too. Listen, Kami, patriotism <laughs> will always be in style. Wow. I'm just saying, I love my country. And I, I don't like country. their actions, but I love my country. <laughs> what about I don't want to live anywhere else. <laughs> what do you hate? <laughs> Comrade, <laughs> why don't you go work at that other place? <laughs> More like Red Planet, yeah. oh, Mars, or something—the <laughs> communist planet. <laughs> All right, oh, oh, final thoughts. thoughts. There are final. There are Marvel characters of uh, Kirby's that still hold up. You can still get by with the X Men pretty well. The Sentinels still hold up. They still use more or less the same design. I mean, Thing is useful outside of the Fantastic Four connotation. If you use Thing as a solo character, he's fantastic. Uh, they got how many issues of Marvel 2-in-1 out where the entire gist was like, Thing dicks around, meets some guy, they punch him. <laughs> you know, like, that's what happens. You know? like, so Thing is one of those characters that can get by regardless of the situation. I think he's got a lot of characters like that. It's just a matter of plugging a good writer onto it. Uh, the, the Fantastic Four as a concept can hold up. Uh, I think... If you can look at a comic book and think, man, I can be Superman, you could think, man, I could be in a family, too. I think, you know? <laughs> I, I think you can it's make that thing. leap. Yeah, I know, honestly. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I have friends. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I could try and beat the commies into space. <laughs> Maybe that's what you have against the Fantastic Four. They beat you into space, <laughs> comrade S. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, All right. I run with things. Uh, <laughs> now for a dramatic reading. <laughs> As you can see by this royal attire, I'm finally embarking on my campaign to claim my planetary dominion. I take it you can enforce that claim. Victor Volcano can do anything. Victor Volcano has done everything. He is well-bred, well-read, and the evidence superior of all men. I was a balloonist in the days when few men dared to fly. However, on my last flight, the winds of misfortune collapsed my vehicle and plunged me into the cone of this volcano. I found myself marooned in a hellish netherworld of hot stone and flaming pits. When my food would run out, I was doomed to die. But responsible Victor Volcanum did not die. 
From his mega equipment, he created a method to distill life-giving extracts from the fiery energies about him. With bits and pieces of wrecked ships washed ashore, I forged in those fires the first of my mechanical servitors. My efforts were crowned with success. I told my first servitor to build others, and the process was repeated until I had a sizable security labor force. Into <laughs> Arcano not only survived, but he achieved a lifestyle of undisturbed splendor. Of course, that was many years ago. 110 to be exact. You see, the energies in this flaming fuel tend to make one immortal. Incredible. And yet I believe your story. However, all those years of isolation have driven you into paranoia. Nonsense! I'm superbly fit to rule the earth. I have the means to carry out this dream and smash all who stand in my way. <laughs> that was Victor Volcanum from <laughs> Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 148. For our third and final topic, we're going to touch on kind of a sad note. Earlier this week, a great comic artist and creator passed away. Michael Ringo drew for both the big two as well as for smaller presses, creating original and memorable characters. And I want to start off uh, this discussion by asking, what was the first time you really remember like noticing Ringo's art? And uh, we're going to start with Devon. Um, first time I really started noticing his art, um, I think I'd seen it in Justice League Quarterly. I think the first thing I ever saw him do was a uh, Fire, Ice, and Dr. Light uh, solo story where they go on a road trip together a la Thelma and Louise. And I remember just looking at it and just going, there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. I like this guy. I hope he shows up again. And then the next place I saw him, I think, was in The Flash. And uh, I just remember just there was just a lot of fun involved in his artwork. And you got to keep in mind, this was like in the early 90s where everything was like crosshatch crazy. <laughs> and here was a guy who was not afraid to actually have characters smile. And I, I actually really like that. Brooks? Uh, yeah. Mostly, uh, the first thing I saw him in was Flash around when Impulse came in. And it was just... It was kind of like cartoony, but not. You know, it was just kind of like a high-energy type of thing. They, Yeah. No one was kind of really doing that. It was just... Everything was kind of static, mostly. Except for... I mean, <clears throat> I'm just saying, it was... Nice, and it was like something you remember, and it was something you wanted to see again. Mm -hmm. So I was always like, I wanted to get more Flash. I wanted to see him do more stuff. There was, there was fun in his pencil. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, Flash too. Um, and it's <coughs> like they were saying, it was fun, and it was like Bizarro Jim Lee, where it was just very clear art. Everything was happy. It wasn't like you know, nothing was cross hatched. It was just like. Clean line work, and there weren't yeah. a lot of poses. There right, was like yeah. Flow to its it, and when you're dealing with characters that are running super fast, it's nice to not have them in like a staid, static position. And he was really good at that. Everything looked fluid, and it's sad to see him go because he could have done a lot more. Uh, and that's always a bit of a tragedy. So, Skip. Yeah, I was first exposed to his work at on Impulse, and uh, I don't think I've ever said this. Certainly not online, but uh, I was really against. Bart Allen, when he was introduced. It was in, against the concept of impulse entirely. Um, and Waringo's art really helped sell me on him. It made him fun. Um, I like the guy who said it was very, and it was very clean art, and I like that a lot because to me that's very much like Golden Age art, which I like a lot too. Um, but 
I was continually impressed how he actually used art to tell the story. You know, he used the kind of uh, iconographic power that you can do with word balloons and thought balloons. I mean, he, he showed me why you don't want a comic book full of just narration captions. <laughs> mm. um, uh, he really, he made comic books and art. There was a, I'd say for me, because I'm not really good at noticing artists. I mean, I can say, oh, this looks similar to that, but I really, I'm not really good at being like, hey, this person, this is Waringo's art, or this is this person's art. And there was an alternate cover for, for, uh, was it Wild Guard number two? Oh my god! And oh, I remember that. Wild Guard yeah. was like this comic that Image did by Todd Nauk, and it was like, the idea was, hey, everyone loves American Idol. Everyone loves voting for people, so I'm gonna do this five issue miniseries where you where the like where the story unfolded and people voted for which character should make it onto the next story. Cool. And it was re- I mean the story was fun. And I remember looking at the alternate cover for number two, which had like Red Rover, which was my favorite character, <laughs> like in he's that so series. Oh and he's like sitting there and he's got a little drool coming out of his mouth and he's got his like. You know, there's a man who's wearing a dog tag, you know, like a dog collar. Dog collar, yeah. And it's like... I must have this. It's great. <laughs> and like, and I remember, like, really noticing it and be like, this cover is great. It's a lot of fun. It's really hysterical. Red Rover looks even more fun than he usually does. I was like, who is this guy? Covered by Mike Ringo. And then as time started going on, and there was Telos and all these, like... And it was always fun. It was like, mm. I never looked at it and said, this is a boring page. Because there are people who have different styles, and sometimes they're really heavy. I personally like a, like a lighter style of my comics. I like to see something that's like, it's fun to look at. It's There's so much going on. There's so much color. There's so much... Like, the characters look like they're having a fun time, even when they're crying. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something in the art for that. Well, and it's not... when, when I, I think when you say that the art is fun, I think you mean the same thing that, that most of us do. Not that... You know, it's necessarily got to be cartoony. No, it's oh, I, I interpret this story as being silly fun. Right, like like Sean McManus's work on Aquaman doesn't quite go. Right, it's a little right. too fun. It's almost it's, too fun. Yeah. Right, right. It makes you. But but Waringo's art, just the, the funness of the art made it a pleasure to look at. It didn't mm. necessarily make the story seem silly. At right, least not to me. Right, right. Yeah, it never detracted. Uh, he never ever did anything where it was like. A lot of artists, you can look at a page and think, he saw the script and thought, I'm going to make this panel look cool. Like with a bobblehead or something. Yeah, and I don't think Waringo ever looked at a page like that. I think it was cool because that's how he was. Like, I think it just ended up being cool because that was his style. There was never, like, opposed to it at all. Yeah. It was just good stuff. Do you think there's a legacy that he's left on his artwork that, like, that other people have adopted? I, mm, yeah, definitely. I with, really? Uh, Adam yeah. Warren. Uh, mm. Works a lot like him. Uh, I don't think there could have been like Humberto Ramos. Exactly. Uh, uh, Scotty Young Scott, yeah. is definitely in that sort of school. Um, Joe Magumura. Yeah. Um, I would say even to uh, God, I, I'm blanking on his name. But you know, just irregardless of all of that, it's like you know, just no one had ever seen anyone like this man. You know, just there was no precedent for what he was doing. It was like. Yeah, it, kind of Paris Cullens was doing it with Blue Devil, but no one had actually, like, you know, he was Paris Cullens', Cullens sort of 
vision realized. Mm. You know, where it was like, because I remember as a kid, um, Blue Devil and Blue Beetle, which Paris Cullens did, I had a little problem accepting them within the DC universe because they were drawn really cartoony. And then you'd see them in Justice League, and then Kevin McGuire would do them very realistically. But with <laughs> Waringo doing The Flash, it was like The Flash was simply The Flash. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was just The Flash. It wasn't Mike Waringo's Flash. He was drawing The Flash, which just made it really good. Um, finally, I want to say, uh, I, you know, I was really excited about Baltimore because, you know, I finally have something, by, so I was finally having something that he could. I could have him take a look at, um, and now I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna get the chance to like shake his hand, tell him that he's awesome. Um, Devon, I think you had a meeting him story, right? Did oh, anyone yeah. else have a meeting him story? Like, yeah, I got to meet him. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell two bah, two quick stories really quickly. Um, I guess it was about 2003, and uh, he wasn't doing any commissions or anything like that, um, and he wasn't really trying to sketch too tough because his back, his lower back, was hurting. And uh, earlier that day, I think it was a Saturday, I'd asked him if he would do a quick head sketch for me. And you could kind of see it in his face that he wasn't really feeling it at the time. But he said, you know what, come back towards the end of the show and and see what I can come up with. And so I came back and, you know, I just said, hey, are you up to it? And I was totally prepared for no. And then he just took the book and he knocked out like this quick, like one minute, like uh, Sue Storm head sketch. It was just beautiful. And it wasn't because he drew it, but it was because, you know, the man literally, you know, he knew what it meant to have something by him. He knew what it was to be a fan. And then last year, um, I walked up to him with uh, a copy of First Issue Special Number 4, feet, the first appearance of Lady Cop. <laughs> and I plop it in front of him. That and this guts. is right. <laughs> And after he's drawn, like, you know, Spider-Man and Thing, and he's done all these, like, great comic book characters, here I am, little knucklehead with, like, Lady Cop, and I just remember the look of absolute befuddlement on this man's face (laughs) as he's sitting there and he's drawing this cop holding the baton. (laughs) And and I thought this was just brilliant. Had never seen the character before, but she's holding this baton saying, no crime in my town. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, yeah, that's all you need right there. And, you know, if he could do that in just like, you know, two minutes, there's just no telling what he could have done with more time on this earth. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are interested, uh, Ringo's family has asked people to make donations to either the, the ASPCA or the Hero Initiative in lieu of sending flowers. Mm-hmm. And instead of a dramatic reading, we're going to have a moment of silence followed by dramatic readings. I mean, followed by uh, recommendations. Now it's time for recommendations, where the panelists take the time to point out comics that have come out in the last two weeks that are worthy of note. And we're going to start with Skip. Booster Gold. Booster Gold 1 was absolutely wonderful. Um, Booster got to be not only everything he has always been, but also everything he could be at the same time. It's a really great conceit for the book. Um, It's a wonderful look at the history of DC and the multiverse. Um, I can't imagine any longtime fan not enjoying it. And uh, for for newer fans, Booster is a really good mechanism for getting to know the universe. So I recommend Booster Gold 1. Carrie? K. 
Catwoman, uh, number 70 is out this week. It is one of those rare good tie-ins to a DC <laughs> overarching storyline, whatever you'd want to call it. It's uh, last two issues have been Amazon Attack tie-ins, and Catwoman has handled herself pretty well. And she, with a hammer. With a hammer. Yeah. She goes Thor on somebody. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So Thou Catwoman. shall not kill my baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a spoiler alert, because that's been the plot of like the last four stories. <laughs> yeah. not, not to knock Will Pfeiffer. I love Batman. <laughs> Brooks? I'm recommending Captain America. Uh, the latest story arc with Lucan and Slash Red Skull and the Serpent Squad and just having... This having Tony Stark as director of Shield pop up with Sans costume, where he's actually having to make decisions as opposed to fighting missions on his own because he can't really do that kind of work, and just having and he whines, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> and having Winter Soldier just like I'm so pissed, but I can't go after who I want to, so I'm gonna just go after the real villain, but. <laughs> He goes after the real villain. <laughs> you know, he wants to go after Tony Stark. Wait, this is hilarious. That's such a Marvel story. <laughs> I can't attack another hero like I want to, so I guess I'm going to have to fight a villain. It is. <laughs> Take that crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> crossbow shoes. Um, I'm going to recommend the Brave and the Bold because it is just a lot of really good writing and really, really pretty art. Um, the thing that I really like. Where it hooked me was the Batman Blue Beetle team up, where Batman basically I think goes to El Paso, meets up with uh, Blue Beetle Jamie Reyes, and realizes there's a teenager in that suit of armor, and treats him as he would like one of his own sons. And uh, and I love like this issue's wrap up where uh, I'm not going to tell you, but some characters that I ac- absolutely despise show up. <laughs> But They're yet. the best. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. <laughs> and Mark Waite somehow finds a way to make them work yeah. within the story. And it's just like it gives you hope for these characters. In yeah. fact, after you Brave and the Bold, I asked Devon to order me their showcase. <laughs> <laughs> That's how great they are, seeing them again. <laughs> um... I ordered a purple jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week, I'll recommend uh, well, the Gen 13 that came out last week, and it's getting a, people are giving that comic a lot of flack for how slowly it's moving, like how some of their stuff doesn't make a lot of sense, why they were rebooted in this way, and it is all explained in this one issue. Like Gail Simone explains. Why the characters are the way they are, why the universe is the way it is, ties it into the multiverse. Wait, wait. Gail, Mo, Gail Simone explains why the universe is the way it is. <laughs> right, well, she, it is. I, I'll buy that comment. Well, well, why the, well, why the Mo, Wildstorm universe is the way oh, it is. Oh, 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 and it t- ties that's into this everyone's whole. Everyone's lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it ties into the idea of a multiverse, it ties into the idea of alternate realities, and it felt like there was something more. Because, something, you know, Wildstorm's, what, Earth 51 or whatever it is. <laughs> 50. 50. And I'm telling you, it feels like this Dork. this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this comic is somehow connected to everything. It felt, it was, and it was fun, you know? It's fun to see, like, Grifter with a 
like little teenager grifter with a uh, laser sighted slingshot. <laughs> I laughed. It was funny. And it was a page that I had to turn around in a circle because the writing was upside down. Kid grifter. Kid grifter. It was kid everyone. It was like Stormwatch. <laughs> instead of Stormwatch PhD, it was Stormwatch Hall monitors. It was fun. great. That it was really fun. <laughs> and I love fun comics. <laughs> That's what communists like. Fun. <laughs> Fun and sharing. Red lines. And on that note, it's time for... We're going to have a word from our sponsor followed by a lightning round. Big Monkey Comics has two fantastic stores. One located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and the other in Washington, D.C., which is where this podcast is recorded. If you have any interest in the comics mentioned on today's show, simply swing on by and grab them. Yet... Big Monkey Comics is so much more than a simple store. Come by our D.C. location Saturday, September 15th at 1 o'clock for a Heroclix First Timers Day. It's a special chance to learn Heroclix, teach a friend, or just have fun playing. There will be prizes for all participants. Plus, it's a great opportunity to sharpen your skills for the upcoming Starro Attacks tournaments. What are the Starro Attacks tournaments, you ask? Four Saturdays in a row, beginning September 22nd, Big Monkey Comics will host sealed Heroclix tournaments, leading up to the final fifth week when all players compete for an enormous Starro figure. And all the games will be played using the new JLA set. In addition to updated versions of characters we've seen before, such as Superman and Flash, there are many incredible new figures in this set, such as Lobo, Deadman, Granny Goodness, and many others. And as a bonus... Players in the first four weeks of the tournament will receive special Slave of Starro figures, like Silver Age versions of Aquaman and Green Arrow. You get all these figures free for participating. Talk to Big Monkey Comic staff about reserving a brick, that's 10 boosters, to guarantee your spot in the tournament and also get a special 10% pre-sale discount. That's 1722B, 14th Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C. And if you can't make it to our physical location, visit Big Monkey online at www.bigmonkeycomics.com for news, reviews, merchandise, and Big Monkey Radio. Big Monkey Comics, where comics are more fun than ever. Hey, it's the lightning round, where we answer hey. questions. <laughs> hey, it's the lightning round. Hey, it's the lightning round. It's the lightning round. Hey, kids, it's the lightning round. Where we take time to answer questions that were sent in by listeners like you. For our first question, Matt asks, what superhero would you like most like to see with an animal sidekick? Ooh. <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> a great <laughs> question. And we're going to start with Skip. Wow. <laughs> Obviously. Wow. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good Um... Well, Aquaman kind of already has Topo, so I guess that counts. Batman, uh, I'd love to see Batman back again. But, Ace, yeah. but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go uh, off model here and say, the Flash hmm. should have a Greyhound. Wow. A <laughs> <laughs> super fast Greyhound. Streak or, the Greyhound. Or, or a Dachshund, because that would be really fun. That would be a <laughs> super fast Dachshund. That Tio Mar was using to fix bets. Carrie. <laughs> I'm just taken aback by the Tio Mar effect. <laughs> I'm just like, every, every time we get to the lightning round, there's one point where I'm just hit with something so baffling that I'm gobsmacked into submission, and I'm forced to talk like I've just been asked a question in a beauty pageant. So all I can do is restate and go like, I think it would be great if Doctor Strange had an animal side gig. It could be... A flying octopus that <laughs> looks like Cthulhu. <laughs> and wears a cape. And wings rofies. Well, yeah, it could be like a tiny Shuma <laughs> And his name could be Shumi. And he'd be adorable. 
All right, Brooks. Uh, not to step on Doctor Midnight's toes, but I give like Wonder Woman an owl. Ooh, Ooh. Ooh. That's, very that's, majestic, that's, uh, very uh, thematic. Yeah, yeah Athena, very we like that. Good to you. Move on. <laughs> uh, Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I love kudos. Um, <laughs> Black Manta would have a oh Kondoro fish. <laughs> One of those fish that goes up your penis hole. Whoa! The dreaded I just had a dream about that. It surgically altered this so that Aquaman cannot control it. The one with the spiny barbs. Yes. And I do not want to know what its name would be. Gary. Blackie. Blackie. Blackie the Kondoro fish. Ben. You're not dumb. <laughs> expecting something like Remus. Yeah. You know, I think I want Darkseid to have like a pet orangutan. You know, just like... Can <laughs> you have a hat that makes his head look like a wang? Oh my god. You know, wearing fishing boots. I can just imagine it's like arm draped around his neck. He like holds him like a baby. <laughs> the delightful incongruity of it. Big diaper oh, under his right. black skirt. <laughs> <laughs> Bright orange against dark blue. <laughs> and like... Dark side would not know that it was silly. At all. That's right. He would take it. He would steal Mega Beam. Anyone who says something bad about him <laughs> cleans itself up better than Calabac. <laughs> it would be great. You are my true son, all right? Calabac in the background crying. I be... hate that monkey father. <laughs> but it would be named something like Orangablan. That's right. <laughs> it would be named like Doomrangatang. Orangabang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, the Omega oh. Rang. Whoever sent in that question, please send in more. That's right. God bless you, good so, sir. <laughs> all right. Omar asks, what superhero would endorse what product? Ooh. And we're going to start with uh, Brooks. Brooks. <laughs> uh, Captain America with war bonds. Oh, I like that. Nice. Vaughn? Uh, oh, you're looking at me. Um, Robin <laughs> would... Um, he would do uh, with baby booties. I don't know. <laughs> Devon, or Skip? Uh, Hal Jordan would endorse Old Spice. <laughs> <laughs> the Flash Gold Bond Athletic Powder. <laughs> that has got to chafe like nobody's business. And I'll stop in it with Green Arrow. You know, probably needs like, what is that, Cialis? Little <laughs> But when the mood oh. is right. He's got an arrow for that. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be called something like, you know... Shaft. Yeah, it'd be Green, <laughs> green Arrow's Quick Strike. <laughs> no, wait, no, that, that's the name of Black Manus Pet. Shaft. Shaft, Shaft. there you go. Jesus. There we go. <laughs> Has a sweet theme song and everything. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's go. Finally, Christopher. Yeah. Multiple Earths. This is one that's sent in by Christopher. Multiple Earths, exclamation point. Is there one in particular that we must have back, either pre-existing or not? S. Earth S. Mm. To put Shazam back on. Jeff Smith Shazam. Just chuck him there. Be done with him. Let him do his own thing. That's what I'm saying. Angrily, for some reason. I meant that happily. <laughs> Skip. Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm gonna say Earth Eight. I mean, let let's have a place that all that that there's characters that don't quite fit that are kind of off model. And, like gunfire. Yeah, and let them li- and let them live there. <laughs> sort of, you know, and we can call it, you know, 
Stanley Imagines <laughs> Earth 8. Didn't they already do that? Wasn't there yeah. a Stanley Imagines? Yeah. What if? Yeah. That's where he got it from. <laughs> it would be like a wildlife preserve. <laughs> Devon, <laughs> what Earth do we need? Uh, what Earth do we need? What Earth do we need? Uh, I've been a huge proponent of an Earth G, where pretty much it's like all the stories are told in sort of like the Kurt Swaniverse, you know, where it's just like, you know, it's like pseudoscience saves the day. Where everybody looks the same. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone looks the same and all the women are stupid. Um, <laughs> that's the world I want to live Isn't in. Isn't that Wisconsin? No. Jesus. Good God. <laughs> all right, all you Wisconsin people, instead of coming and beating up John Kerry, come and beat up Skip. No. But you can beat up John Kerry. I didn't do it this time, Wisconsin. <laughs> no, I love but, the Packers and let take, cheese. <laughs> let me take that back. And Not Ken where the women Kennedy. are stupid, but they they just remain blissfully ignorant. <laughs> things. Brooks, <laughs> I was like, I had something. I lost it. So uh, I want a JSA Secret Files Earth, where it's all like World War Two Batman and Iron Man and Flash, like performing secret missions for like. The allies, because I know you hate that kind of stuff. Did I catch Iron Man in there? What'd you say? <laughs> uh, our man. Our man. Oh my bad. I was like, wow. Yeah, Ooh. where Scarecrow is one of my helpers because Mister Terrific is rad. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Can I change my answer? Sure, Skip. I want. I want a Golden Age Earth. Yeah. Mm. Not not where those people got old, but like it's still them. You know where. You know, if you mess around with a the hero, they just kind of like push you off a building or something. Yeah. yeah. Or they shot you. Socked yeah. you in the jaw. Yeah, they socked you in the Superheroes jaw. Superheroes were like the mob, but better right. dressed. Superman <laughs> will beat up your car dealership. <laughs> yeah. Stop really selling lemons. Yeah. <laughs> and shadows were really heavy. Yeah. The room was always full. And, and the inspector was just screwing with people. You could put on a suit and a domino mask and work and with the police commissioner. Right. Yeah. 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 That well, sounds like my Saturday night. And shoot <laughs> whoever you want. <laughs> Um, you know, I want them to expand the Gotham by Gaslight universe. Mm. I, I think the idea of superheroes at the Industrial Revolution is such a cool idea. And, you know, everyone, like, would be lifting medicine balls. Like, <laughs> like, that's how, like, <laughs> Superman would be working out. Be, like, giant trapezoidal <laughs> weights. Right. I know. <laughs> Superman with, with the weight printed on the front of him. 500 pounds. <laughs> Batman is Bully. a bike with a really big front That's wheel. Right. <laughs> Come along, Robin. For a fortnight. Come yeah, along, like Robin. A, let's take a constitution. Like a, like a steampunk world? I know. Exactly. Like Warren yeah. Ellis has a giant... Uh, Instead of a bat cycle, he would have like a bat happening. Yeah. Wow. You know what? That could actually happen. Remember um, Wonder Woman Amazonia? Remember that uh, thing? Yeah. Stick that into Gotham by Gaslight. Exactly, man. Edwardian Victorian era. That's right. a whole new world. I mean, they'd all go swimming, but they'd have those swimsuits <laughs> that go from neck <laughs> to knee. Yeah. And the stripes across <laughs> it. Big fluffy things on their legs for some they reason. Only <laughs> they only have them on our body Yeah. And Batman would still look perfectly natural. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got some hiss. Be like, that is a mighty fine mustache. <laughs> the Flash can do like forty miles an hour. I know. <laughs> this thing around. Oh wait, see now I want to I want to write the vibe by Gaslight. Oh my god, Nick, that would be so great, dude. Oh he'd speak more broken English than they wrote him in the eighties. <laughs> no, he'd just like, be wearing a white linen suit, you know, just a straw hat. It'd be great. God. And on that note, I had so many offensive jokes to pop into my head. I, I swallowed all of them because I mean, Wisconsin. Up my mistake already. <laughs> all right, that's all for tonight. Uh, thanks. I, I still want you know a theme song sent in. 
Please, just, you know, make something. It could be a kazoo if you go like, <laughs> Big Monkey Podcast is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that too. Yeah, something uh, that Black Canary can play on a harmonica. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you have any questions, comics, dramatic readings, send them to Ben at BigMonkeyComics.com. And having a good evening. All right. <laughs>